Welcome to the Polaris Podcast. I'm Jeremy Whitbeck, a partner of the Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, and we have with us Jeff Powell. Jeff is our Chief Investment Officer and Managing Partner. Jeff, great to speak with you today. Hey, good morning. So Jeff, uh, a lot of interesting uh, news recently. Uh, President Joe Biden just had his speech, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be talking about it today and over the uh, coming weeks as people digest the priorities that he laid out. And uh, hoping that you can shed some light uh, as to what your initial thoughts were watching the speech. Well, Jeremy, as we've talked about a lot, uh, you know, one of the things with with Polaris Wealth, and, and this has been a stance of the firm for a very long time, is really to kind of go at it uh, as apolitical as possible. Uh, we have people at our firm that are Republicans. We have our, our people at our firm that are Democrats. Um, really the biggest thing uh, from a firm responsible for investing for others is really uh, all about coming at it from a stance of neutrality, uh, coming about it, you know, we talk about, you know, red and blue and purple, uh, you know, with being, you know, Republican, Democrat, and uh, moderate. And, you know, really our job is to be completely trans, uh, translucent, transparent, whatever you want to say with it, uh, is to not be political at all and try to absorb as much as we possibly can from the speech speeches we hear and from the stances that different politicians take and be able to sort through uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, and how it's going to impact the markets in general and really uh, be able to remove our emotions from it and to to be able to to take what's being said and get in front of trend that's going on within the markets so i'd like to get that out in the open before we really even get into the speech or any of the meaning behind uh you know what's been being talked about here uh shortly because i mean i think that you know i want to make sure that uh with what we talk about that nobody really tries to read into Kind of the bottom line behind anything that we're talking about uh, with regard to last night's speech or uh, the proposed tax bill or anything else that might uh, come up in this conversation so um did i watch the speech yes um you know there was parts of it that were very entertaining there's parts of it that kind of felt like the uh, uh that the biden administration is going to try to accomplish everything including you know tossing in the kitchen sink um you know, there are definitely things that are there that I think would be extraordinarily beneficial to our country as a whole. Um, and then there are things that just seem like they're more dreams and hopes than uh, reality. Jeff, I uh, appreciate the uh, the initial comment that you made with uh, our need to be neutral or clear or whatever analogy that you want to use. I've always found it funny that some people will literally punish themselves in the portfolio because the politics aren't the direction that they wanted to. And I think it's a good reminder that there's going to be opportunities in any administration, departing on what side of the aisle you sit on. And our job as a uh, as a uh, and as an investment advisor is to look for those opportunities and to see past the uh, the politics of the time, but to look into where we can continue to make further progress on our goals. So I think that's a great perspective to keep in mind. Um, and to your point, Biden did talk about a lot of different things that ranged uh, all the way from taxes to uh, social uh, justice. And so any main takeaways that you had that uh, you believe are going to set the tone for the next uh, four years or three and a half years of his administration? 
Well, I mean, there was fair trade that was talked about a lot. And uh, obviously, you know, uh, President Biden does have some uh, experience with the negotiations with China. I like the fact that he was uh, uh, taking a, a tougher stance, basically saying, you know, we'll compete with you uh, as long as we're competing on, on a fair and level uh, playing ground. I mean, if you've got subsidies that are being thrown in by nationalized companies, uh, that it doesn't create a, a fair platform for trade in office that we are going to uh, continue to address uh, issues with regard to this, the theft of intellectual property, which again is something that from our stance is, is extraordinarily important. Uh, I, if done properly, the, the thought of uh, modernizing a lot of uh, the infrastructure of this country is desperately needed. It's something that uh, multiple um, presidents have talked about in days past and have not executed upon. Uh, even something as simple as just our electric grid, uh, which obviously has impacted uh, many of us on the West Coast, uh, but also even if you think about what went on in Texas over the winter, uh, is just a perfect example of uh, the hows and the whys of, of why this country needs to continue to uh, modernize and build out its, uh, its infrastructure. Uh, there was a, a lot of compromise, I believe, on uh, border control. Um, and I think that, you know, again, uh, a very interesting thought process of A, kind of trying to figure out why uh, people were leaving their countries to begin with and trying to be supportive of those countries, which by the way, are already allies uh, for the most part of our country and to put things into position where if things are stable in their own countries, they won't be seeking uh, somewhere else to go. Uh, but also, you know, again, there's a, a big debate on illegal aliens and things of that nature. Um, and again, to be apolitical about it, these are people that are actually growing our food and putting food on the table of Americans. So uh, there was there was definitely a, a lot of things that are out there uh, that I thought were very interesting. Uh, stimulus packages, as we've talked about before, uh, if done appropriately, can, you know, ride a very challenging rail of providing stimulus, uh, providing uh, economic growth without necessarily throwing uh, and spinning out a lot of inflation in the process of it. So that's really kind of the end hope out of this. Uh, President Biden talked about uh, seeing a 6% growth in our economy, which would be uh, the strongest growth pattern that this country has seen in decades. Um, and uh, I obviously, uh, um, a little bit of a, let me see it before I believe it, because that's, I mean, uh, is a couple percentage points higher than anything that we've seen, at least over the last several decades. So, um, but even even with that, we are expecting some pretty strong corporate growth and uh, not only this year, but into next based upon the stimulus packages that have already been passed. Uh, but also this just throws uh, extra fuel in the fire. Yeah, and Jeff, I want to talk a little bit more about the infrastructure bill. I know that's one that I get a lot of comments and questions on from uh, clients and uh, prospective clients. And the number one concern that comes about with all of this is obviously these are not inexpensive projects. And we've already pumped in a lot of stimulus into the economy. Spending on the stimulus is going to potentially uh, require the Fed to create even more uh, currency to pump into the economy to pay for these things. 
And there's actually a recent poll by the Axios Group where 87% uh, of Americans are worried about inflation. And I'd imagine a lot of it's tied to what we've done to stimulate out of the COVID pandemic, also on the backs of 2008 with all the quantitative easing that took place there and now these infrastructure bills. What are your thoughts? Are these valid concerns? Are these things that we should be taking steps to try to counteract within our personal portfolios? Well, it's something that I find kind of interesting because uh, there are other polls uh, that are uh, discussing how uh, more Americans are more than comfortable with having more stimulus thrown into it. So it's, I think it comes down to understanding uh, and be edu being educated to, to what the stimulus really is. You know, is it a um, is it a a free dollar or is it putting people to work? Um, and I think that those things are are wildly different when you've got a fourteen hundred dollar check that's being mailed out um, and not really having control on how that is being spent. Um, and again, I'm not saying that I don't believe that uh, it wasn't necessary through COVID, uh, but if we were to continue to see uh, further stimulus checks. Uh, going out even beyond what we've already seen just recently, um, that could potentially, when you're printing money, um, that could potentially do something. Whereas if you're creating jobs and you're creating a stronger tax basis and creating a stronger you know, overall economy, if you're educating, you know, you're, you're making, you know, part of the, the subject matter was saying, you know, is 12 years of education enough when, when we're on a, a world platform that is, uh, throwing major universities together in India and in China, where they're uh, educating hundreds of millions of people at a you know a, a, either a bachelor's level or above, um, it's going to be very hard for this country to continue to compete if we're not keeping up uh, with our own education system. So, even the talk of um, strengthening, uh, providing education at a younger age. Uh, and also making uh, community college free is a very interesting thing to me. Um, and it also certainly puts having a bachelor's degree uh, to people at a much lower level expense if they were to be you know, going to a community college for their first two years, get the first two years of education out of the way, and then go into a major university as juniors and seniors and graduate. It chops the expense down in half and obviously lowers debt to the average American, which can then spend their money in a lot of different ways. So the, the whole notion uh, of uh, things like what we did back with NAFTA was to educate our population, to have the better jobs, to be able to have cheaper product that's being made in other areas, and to be able to strengthen your economy in that way. And a lot of that is being talked about in, in a slightly different way within Biden's speech uh, that went on last night. But yeah. you know, the one thing that I'm realizing that as I'm completing that sentence that I really didn't hit on is you asked about inflation. Um, does it have to be inflationary? No, it does not. Uh, can it be? Yes. Um, but it is something that we're constantly uh, on the lookout. So you know, a lot of the data points that come out uh, are, uh, you know, some of the, the economic data points that we look at are, are weekly. Some of them are monthly. Some of them are quarterly. And so we are constantly monitoring all of those uh, to keep abreast of are we seeing inflation creeping in? And, you know, again, when you go through as deep of a recession as we went through uh, at the beginning of last year, March, April in particular of last year, we're as ugly as you could possibly see. 
um, and April or May wasn't so much better, but we're still not now, even with recovery and stimulus, anywhere close to where we were pre-pandemic. So having inflation uh, when you're coming out of a recession is not necessarily a bad thing. It helps your economy get back to where it was uh, and going forward, which I think is why uh, Fed Chairman Powell has not been really fast to sit there and say, hey, we're going to we're going to jump over, you know, any kind of inflationary pressures. They've made it very clear that they're going to, you know, be monitoring them as well, but probably let them grow at a, a faster pace than what most people are used to and maybe even comfortable with in order for us to grow out of the recession that we're, we're in currently and, uh, and being able to see ourselves in a position of, uh, you know, growing out of it for uh, the near future. So I don't foresee a Fed move. Uh, we have seen Fed futures uh, pop up that there's about a 15% chance of having uh, the Fed making a move during the course of 2021. Um, you know, if you're a betting person, uh, that's pretty easy stats. 85% chance of doing nothing, 15% chance of making uh, a move. Uh, and most of it looking like a single move, not two moves. Although uh, just recently, I think we want to say it's a little bit less than one half of 1% chance of having uh, two moves during the course of this year. I just don't see it happening. I mean, they've been very transparent about letting things going, uh, but really, you know, the bottom line behind it, uh, Jeremy, is if that we start to see an inflationary environment uh, as a firm, we need to stay in front of that, which typically means uh, way higher percentage of your money should be involved in stocks than in the bond market. The bond market was ugly for people in the first quarter. Uh, we saw rates going up pretty substantially, which means the prices were coming down. Uh, we saw one of the worst uh, markets ever for the 30-year treasury uh, with almost a 15% decline in treasury prices. That's a massive move. Uh, is it done? Not necessarily. Um, I mean, we've seen an uptick in yield. It doesn't mean that, uh, and it's been coming back down a little bit, but that doesn't mean that we can't see a progression within it. So the best place in the world that you could possibly invest with uh, regard to this is getting yourself back into the stock market. Don't sit by, don't leave your money in cash. Uh, again, if you're sitting in cash with a high inflation rate, all you're saying is that you're willing to lose that percentage of buying power every single year. Um, being involved in bonds, you're locking in that yield for the duration of the life of that bond. Uh, so if you buy a 10-year treasury, you know, sitting at at one and a half percent, you're basically saying that you're willing to get a one and a half percent return, even though there might be inflation at three or four percent. Again, you're losing buying power. There's one place and one place only for you to go, and that is involved in the stock market to outpace the inflation to keep your purchasing power in place. Yeah, I've always found that very interesting, Jeff, that when people get concerned or uh, when they start worrying about these things, the knee-jerk reaction is to move to cash or safety. And in this situation, it's the exact opposite of what you should do. It's going to cause you to actually exacerbate the problem and not really hedge against it. Uh, and Jeff, one last thing, and I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, because I know this is on everyone's mind, and that is just with the tax policies. And I recognize the speech did not have a lot of details surrounding that, but he did give some reassurances as to who uh, he's targeting for these tax policies. Can you talk a little bit about what uh, Biden's looking at when he's uh, preparing or at least proposing some of these tax changes? Yeah, so I mean, the statement was that it's going to be uh, a increase in income tax 
Um, at least, again, there's been multiple things, but in the speech last night, he was talking about four uh, people making over $400,000 a year, um, uh, going up back up to 39.6%. Uh, there was talk of uh, corporations, um, and this is a true fact, there's 55 companies in the S&P 500 uh, that didn't pay any corporate taxes at all. And so one of his big things is to uh, be able to get um, um, rid of some of the loopholes and to really kind of tie uh, companies that are doing a business in America to be paying their taxes. Um, you know, one of the driving factors for me, I'm kind of all about fairness. And, and to me, uh, having 55 companies that are paying no taxes whatsoever doesn't seem quite fair. Uh, so getting uh, those companies to be paying taxes uh, makes some sense to me. Um, and then there's obviously talk, uh, and this was very much left out of uh, the discussion last night, but obviously uh, there is a talk of doubling the capital gains tax, especially for uh, high earners. And again, you and I both have gone back and forth of what that really means. We've heard a couple different definitions, and I don't know if it's been purely fleshed out because I have not read uh, the full documents of it. I don't think they've even been released yet. Uh, but, you know, again, um, the likelihood of seeing a doubling in the capital gains tax, I would see would be quite low. And if they do do that, you know, there are instruments. I mean, we, we do run a um, an annuity um, through that has all Polaris's strategies involved, uh, has a very low additional cost to it, which is for the insurance element, uh, but it's called a private placement annuity. Uh, that we have our, our strategies within. If you are concerned about paying those capital gains taxes, we can move you right into that annuity. There would be a, a tax that would be liquidating your investments now in order to put in cash into the annuity, which is how that works. But then you could decide whenever you want to pay the taxes. You could hold an annuity for uh, forever and never pay any taxes whatsoever until you got into retirement, got into the lower income tax brackets, and then draw upon it at that time. So there are things that we can do to combat uh, a little bit of this if it does come to fruition. Other things that I would throw out though, is that uh, as with most tax bills, there's compromise. So could we see it, uh, or do we expect to see it at uh, the highest tax brackets? No, I don't expect to see it uh, in the 39.6% capital gains as well as uh, income. Could we see things go back to where they were at 28%? Yeah, I think that's probably a realistic uh, number. Uh, and then the question really becomes, is that enough of a difference that you want to make radical changes in how you're having your money being managed? At the end of the day, when you're taking capital gains taxes, you're taking it based upon profit. And so what that means is you're actually making money. It means that you'll have a haircut of what you're making um, and nothing more. So I would, I would encourage people to kind of think of it in that light. The other thing that I would throw out to, uh, to you and to our audience is that the last five major tax changes uh, where the taxes were increased in the United States did not have a negative impact to the stock market. So everybody is again up in arms, oh my gosh, I've had a, a number of people uh, reach out to me and, and express their concern. Now, a, most of these people were not going to be directly impacted by it at all. Uh, they didn't fall into 
the brackets that made it into anything that they needed to be concerned about. Um, but beyond that, you know, obviously the only other argument is, well, you know, this could have a negative uh, impact on the stock market. Um, the the historical thing that goes on here, Jermaine, is that in most cases, it's a knee-jerk reaction. You'll get people that will sell out of things in, you know, in advance of the implementation of the tax, uh, of the new tax code, and then things go back to normal. Uh, so you might have a little bit of selling pressure uh, leading up to any kind of tax change that does occur, uh, but that again will be very, very, very short-lived, and then there's a, a significant snapback. But you don't see, you know, bigger 10, 15, 20 percent drops in the markets because of of tax increases. You see two, three, five. 7% moves at the most uh, where, you know, you'll see a little bit of a correction before uh, you'll see it moving to further highs. So I guess the biggest message I would throw out is this is supposed to only impact three tenths of 1% of Americans. Yes, we manage money for some of those people. Um, really the impact that we, or if we're going to be impacted there, we can control some of it. Uh, through annuities, through other uh, vehicles that we can kind of play around with if it's necessary. If you've got a big capital gain on something, we can play around with uh, how we give to charity. You know, charitable remainder trust might be interesting. I mean, obviously, I don't know if that tax loophole is going to be removed or not, but it's certainly something that, you know, we as a firm will help you navigate uh, if and when there's something passing. But there are too many conservative Democrats uh, to me that will not allow for a tax increase at this level uh, to go through. I would be very surprised. Uh, normally, it's you, you start high and the other side starts low and you, you meet in the middle. And that's kind of where I would expect this to happen as well. Yeah, Jeff, that's, uh, those are all great points. And um, I think... Uh, advice that we should take in all things is that there's an initial reaction where uh, you get really concerned and makes you want to do a lot of things. And oftentimes it's better just to take a breath, let things settle. And then oftentimes it's not as bad as what it initially seemed. I really uh, enjoyed your commentary on this. Obviously, um, he spoke about, President Biden spoke about a lot of different areas, uh, talked a lot also just on the social issues that we're dealing with today and trying to bring America together. Um, any last thoughts on just that message on people pulling together and trying to overcome some of the issues that we're currently facing before we wrap up today? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, as a American, I mean, the last thing you want to see is any kind of uh, social divide, uh, be it through religion or through race or through really anything that, uh, you know, I think that most people would sit there and say that you know they don't want to be judged, and so therefore uh, they shouldn't be uh, out there judging others. I think that you know most Americans just want uh, safety. They want the ability to um, you know make a, a decent living, uh, have a family, you know have a, a personal life, and and hopefully end off better than where they started, and and provide a better opportunity for their their you know their children to be. You know, dealing with it. You know, we have unfortunately seen a major step up in in crime in most major cities. Um, 
there, the, the news stat that I saw was something in the neighborhood of a, a 33% increase in uh, violent crimes uh, in major cities in the United States, which is, which is frightening. And you're hearing about it. You're hearing about you know, carjackings in uh, Chicago. You're hearing about home invasions in Houston. You're hearing about kids that are, um, you know, they, they, they're despondent. They don't feel like there's a better half that's out there. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, again, when you've got financial pressures that are being placed uh, on a country, on a community, uh, oftentimes you see uh, the initial reaction is that people will get together uh, as a community and uh, attempt to solve the problems. It's really challenging to do that when you're in a worldwide pandemic and the person next to you might kill you for no other reason than having no idea that they're uh, asymptomatic and carrying a, a virus that can kill you. So we had to deal with a lot of things in the last year and a half where it was through uh, self-segregation, self-isolation you know, uh, and I think that as we see this country kind of trying to rebuild itself, uh, we have opportunity. And so some of this opportunity, um, whether you like the tax code or you don't like the tax code, um, you know, there is opportunity to uh, lift all people below you. And I think that's a, an interesting scenario that we're in uh, for the first time in a while of being able to as we reopen up our country in a way that we've never seen shut down before to do it in a way that has better representation to to really help all americans so it's a um it, it'll be interesting to see what transpires over the next uh six to twelve months i'm i'm pretty optimistic about it um i do think that there's some amazing opportunities for us as investors uh but there's also a huge opportunity to do uh, good things in our communities uh, as we you know, are no longer fearful for our own safety uh, to go out and do the right thing. Yeah, Jeff, really appreciate uh, your thoughts on that. And I know something that uh, as a country, as you mentioned, we can definitely lift each other up and, and try to rebuild back stronger than what we had even heading into the pandemic. So as always, Jeff, thank you so much for your time and expertise. Um, and to all of our listeners, appreciate your time. Appreciate you letting us uh, speak with you. And as always, be happy, be safe, and be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.